Dennis Stewart joining us today for Health Naturally. And Dennis, uh, we talked about skin complaints over mm. the last week or so, mm. um, and we're going to look at something else but related. We will, Jane. We'll take up the topic of topical applications, and today we'll look at the way in which medicinal honey can address some very nasty skin conditions very successfully. Lynette has rung in from Morissette, and you'd like to know if you can test the immune system, Lynette. Yes, please. Hello, Lynette. Hello, Dennis. How are you today? I'm well, indeed. Um, What's the problem there, Lynette? Well, I take a lot of vitamins and have a very good diet, very active person, but I still get the terrible cold. And I'm just wondering if there's any way you can test your immune system to see if it is at a good level. Well, look, if the immune system is is really problematical, um, the best way of assessing it is through your GP to um, start off with getting a blood test done to start with. Because right. the, the blood test will tell you something about what your white blood cells are doing, and also okay. uh, and also what a, a blood test would do um, is look for uh, perhaps some markers in your system that might explain why you right. are why you are continually going down with what yes. you call the cold. Now, what I have found is that very frequently um, you can pick up a marker that indicates you've had an experience with what's called the Epstein Barr virus. Ooh, that that okay. is that is the glandular fever virus, and right. th- I know this is going to sound very um, controversial, but uh, in our profession, we believe that that virus can have, if you like, an ongoing effect mm-hmm. on a person's resistance, and that's right. that's why in our system of medicine we use uh, combinations of herbs usually to yes. su- to support the immune system so that right. it becomes more vigilant in dealing. With, mm-hmm. these, with these assaults. But what a, a, was that again, that, the, the glandular fever, was it? Epstein-Barr virus is the virus behind glandular fever. Right, and, okay. And my observation, together with my colleagues, particularly in, in the naturopathic and herbal medicine profession, is that this virus seems to be associated with a set of symptoms that are usually associated with a chronic fatigue and recurring infections. And right. where that is so, in, in my experience, it leads, certainly in my practice, to a treatment aimed at addressing that factor with what we call immunosupportive herbs. But again, um, if we're looking for a comprehensive and mm. specialised interpretation of the right. immune system that rightly belongs in the, in yes. the court of the immunologist... Uh, right. You need to see your GP and express your concern about these ongoing episodes you're having. You might right. mention to your GP that you briefly ran it past me on radio and I suggested yep. that you see the GP, get some, right. blood, get some blood work done, see what your white blood cells are doing and, and suggest that you look for a marker uh, which right. is abbreviated EBV, the Epstein-Barr virus. Okay, because I take astragalus, yes, the wonderful good. herb that you highly yeah. recommend. Yes, good, I good. take biozinc. Yes. I take mega vitamin C, about yes. six milligrams yes. a day, yes. plus my probiotics. Yes. And I still get a cold. And how frequently would you be getting them then? Uh, it's gone down to about one a year, but I used to get them a few a year. And it's always exactly the same type of cold. It's like your body remembers mm-hmm. and it goes through the same phase sure. again. And do you get over it quickly, Lynn? Yeah, I have. Okay. Um, it's taken me five days, so I okay. thought that was pretty good. Well, yep. what, I, what I would say is this, that if you're getting only one cold per year, I think you <laughs> need to uh, crack a bottle of champagne 
because there would be there would be few people that I know that that uh, oh, only have God. one cold. Look, you're, you're doing pretty well. Remember, Lynette, that nothing's perfect in this world, and uh, all the medications, mainstream yeah. and naturopathic, will not yeah. stop you getting certain things. No, well, I, I, work I think in you're pharmacy. doing enough. Well, there you go. What I mean, you work in a pharmacy. You should you should be able to scour the counters and and get all I the know. goodies there. Yes, no, and I also it, visit no, nursing no. homes every day yeah, as well, well so I know go. I'm open to it. But look, I've just got to say too, yes. I annoy your wonderful offside Carol Lee. At, oh, she's a um, lovely lady, yeah. A lot. She's a great lady, um, yes. Yes, and yeah. I just think you're an absolutely wonderful naturopath. It's oh, do you think so? Oh, well, I, oh, I'm very impressed. I could, uh, you know, Two pat myself on the back. Yes. <laughs> no, look, if, you, if you've got Carol down there, Carol... Studied yes. with me, of course, years ago and worked yes. in my practice yes. on the case. She's a yes. very competent lady and people around Morissette in that area, in a sense, yep. are really blessed to have Carol Lee there. She is marvellous, yes. just wonderful, really, really good. And look, I was a lady that rang in oh, quite a while back that yes. told you I drank 13 cups of green tea a day. Oh, yes, too. yes. So I'm still Has your skin taken on a distinctly uh, olive colour? <laughs> No, it hasn't, actually. <laughs> well, best of luck. All right. Thank you very much, Dennis. Well, thank you very and much, Dennis. Thanks Good for on calling, you. Okay. And David has rung in from Waratah, and you've got questions about your liver function or liver function yep. tests, I would say. Yes? Yes. Hello, David. Good yeah, mate. How are you doing? I'm um, well. How can I help you, David? Um, I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I gave up drinking last Sunday because my liver plays up. It gets mm. really sore and hurts like mm. buggery. Yeah. And I was just wondering how long it would take for the liver to get back to normal function, if at all, and what mm. could I do to help repair it? Because I've detoxed the liver twice mm. over the last month or two, and I was just wondering how long it would take and what else I could do for it. Well, David, a lot depends upon the actual health of the liver. Um, fortunately, the liver is one of those organs that is unique in that it has incredible reparative properties, and and given time, um, well, given time and a degree of um, fresh tissue or alive tissue, it has the potential um, to pick itself up pretty significantly. There's obviously a point where when the liver becomes cirrhotic that um, it becomes very difficult to to achieve any significant improvement, and your doctor would have probably told you that, hence you're embarking on this detox program. Look... Um, I can't answer how long it would take because I don't know you very well and I'm not a doctor. Your doctor would be the best bet to ask that. But but there is something that might be of use for you to note and you should perhaps run this past your GP because he's your prime carer and he should know that in, in naturopathic medicine and particularly in what's called European herbal medicine, there are three herbs that are considered to have a remarkable effect on improving the function and health of the liver. And one of those in particular is even used when the liver is in dire straits. And that is the herb known as St. Mary's Thistle. Now, St. Mary's Thistle is botanically known as Salibum Marianum. And it's very popularly available now in this country. It certainly wasn't when I started practicing over 40 years ago. uh, And I think it was only as a result of my uh, beginning to incorporate Uh, European um, herbal knowledge into my teaching that I came across the importance that St Mary's Thistle has in in European um, phytotherapy as they call it or herbal medicine as we know it. So it's a very safe herb 
And these days, it, it's presented in a very sophisticated pharmaceutical form, um, which conveys a deliberate level of the so-called active principles in the herb. It's one that I would be um, interested in your discussing with your GP. And the good thing yeah. about it is that if it, it begins to do anything uh, with your liver function, it's a fairly spontaneous effect. In other words, you would be looking for some sort of indication of improvement in your liver function tests yeah. within a reasonable period of time. So talk with your GP about yeah. St Mary's thistle, uh, what, is, what, are, what are his thoughts? The other two herbs that are useful also, and again are popularly used in, in mainstream um, herbal medicine here and in, in European countries, is of course the herb dandelion and, yep. the, and the herb globe artichoke. I've heard of all three of them. Now, those, those three herbs, in my opinion, in my opinion, are the most likely useful herbs to help you in your retreat. Um, to get your health together, there may still be time to to yep. save the liver, but you can uh, push it to the point um, where it's it's very very difficult to do that. This may be your last shot. Talk with your yeah, G. Well, she gave me six yeah. months. Well, there you go. Stop drinking. Yeah. Well, I'll be dead in six well, there months. you go. Well, there you go. Look, uh, I could talk to you all about uh, this topic all day. And an interesting case years ago that did well on St Mary's thistle, but then blew the lot in as much that he, he and his dear wife went on a celebratory trip to the Gold Coast where he relapsed and, and uh, he didn't return. So talk to your doctor about what I have said. Um, those herbs are very safe. They need to be run past your GP in the context, however, of her being interested in basically saving you. Well, thank you for your topic and your question, David. And uh, on Health Naturally, we'll move over to Windale and return to the immune system <laughs> with Patricia. Hello, Patricia. Hello. <laughs> oh, um, your just question. about the immune system. Mm. Um, I'm Aboriginal and yes. I want to know why don't I get sick? I used to work in infectious diseases for 10 years, yes. and I was the only one in the whole ward that never got sick. So how Well, you, that... you might be blessed <laughs> with, with, a, with a distinctive genetic <laughs> factor about oh, you yeah, that gives come, you... Yeah, we come from... Yeah, the family well, originally come from... He stole his brother's hanky. Yeah, well, and uh, got 12 yeah. years for it yes. from Dublin and Ireland. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> well, look, e each one of us has, has a, a distinctive... Uh, genetic uh, profile, and each one of us bear with us characteristics yeah. from our past. I would suggest yeah. that you've been blessed with a very competent yeah. immune system because of where you've yeah. come from. You, your genes are your salvation. Yeah. We all well, want I come some. from the bush. Well, up, there you go. from the bush, um, a place up here in Grill. Okay. I know the area um, well. I know the area yeah. well, actually. Tinga, yeah. Tinga. Yeah. I oh, I've been well, to Tinga. Yeah, that's a useful little place, isn't it? Fascinating place. Yeah, yes. yeah I go there about three times a year. I've never been able to oh, score yeah. anything, but um, <laughs> but a fascinating oh. town, Tinga. I say to listeners, if you haven't yeah. been if you haven't been to Tinga, you haven't seen the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yes. Uh, I've just come back from up there with a bag of sapphires. Oh, have you really? Um, from Inverell at yes. the information centre, you can buy these bags. Okay, and um, and, and you, you you got them yourself. Oh, my goodness, you should see what I've got. How about that? I'm going to be worth a fortune. We'll, anyway, we'll have to have a meeting. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, the boss of the, the ward 
used to ask me to leave the, the ward every year, you know, when everyone come in with all oh, yes. their sicknesses. Yes, yes. Would ask me to leave, and I, I would refuse. And when it was all over, I'd just tap him on the shoulder and say, guess what, I'm the only one who never got sick. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patricia, you're really in luck there, and I think we all want some of what you have. But, um, yeah, sapphires as well, maybe. Okay, Health Naturally, it's 29 past 12, and Bev has rung in on 49216216 from Toronto. And a uh, slight change of topic there, zinc and its benefits. That's your question, Bev? Yes, um, but also I've been taking zinc for a while, mm-hmm. um, well, many years actually, because I had a hair analysis and showed that I was very low in zinc. And, of course, we understand that um, it's necessary in the metabolism of uh, sugar to have the equal zinc and B, uh, B3 in your system. And uh, so, but another hair analysis showed that... Um, Recently, although I'd been taking two zinc at night, um, that I was still low in zinc. And uh, the doctor, who's a natural environmental doctor, he uh, said, well, well, it's the copper that it seems to um, buy, you know, with the the zinc. And so it doesn't build up to what it should be. So I've increased it to two, but then I thought, well, I did have a problem with um, um, assimilating. And so uh, the doctor also put me on enzymes. So I take the enzymes uh, three times a day, but I'm still not getting the zinc up. So I wondered if there was another form of zinc that I could take rather than the tablets. Well, I'm all for the um, idea, Bev, of trying to get your nutrients, vitamins and minerals from the food chain. I, I, I have a, a view that sometimes it's uh, more difficult to get an uptake of nutrients in, in prepared forms such as tablets and pillules in comparison with the more efficient uptake that comes when we get those minerals from, from the food chain. Um, you can get zinc in, in many foods. For instance, it would be unlikely that I would be deficient in zinc because I eat oysters like I live on the waterfront. So I guess what I guess what I'm saying is your doctor's probably on the right track by suspecting that you may have some assimilation problem. But what I would be doing is rather than um, perhaps spending more money on more supplements, um, go and have a, a yarn with your doctor and ask for a referral to a dietitian or a nutritionist who can sit down with you and say, right, Bev, these are the foods that have high levels of zinc in them. Start using these and see if that gives you a better uptake than depending upon some of the supplements that you might be having difficulty assimilating, even with the enzymes you're taking. We've got to get away, I believe, Bev, we have to get away from thinking that everything can be solved by a tablet or a pillule or a capsule. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a role for those. But wherever possible, wherever possible, look at the food chain and see where you can get those nutrients from. I would suggest a meeting with your GP re-referral to a dietitian or a nutritionist. And the other thing that's good mm. about that is that it tastes better, probably. I would think it would, <laughs> particularly if they're oysters. Mmm, <laughs> this is the food program, Health Naturally, on 2 and URFM.
Now, Deborah's rung in from Caves Beach and um, menopause has a bit of a grip, has it? Yes, it does, actually. <laughs> hello, hello, Deborah. Hi. <laughs> how how um, symptomatic are you? Uh, just hot flushes mm-hmm. and um, I don't notice them as much through the day when I'm moving around. Okay. But when I stop, as soon as I stop, that's when I notice them okay. um, and at night. Okay. Look, there's a couple of little things that might be useful uh, for you to try. What I have found in, in, in seeking to give advice on this problem over many years and helping many women with this problem, that what might work for one person doesn't necessarily work for the other person. So I'm going to give you a few options. Now, it might seem rather strange what I'm going to say first up, but the feedback I get on this as a result of mentioning it on radio and recommending it in practice is quite profound. Uh, right. start, off, start off by using the herb red sage. <clears throat> red sage? Yeah, red sage. Oh, right. A, a salvia officinalis, if you want it to sound very technical, but just red sage as we know it, which is a very common um, garden herb, which fortunately is purchasable. In, in little packs from your supermarket, your health food store, as a powder or as a cut herb. Oh, okay. Now, making what we call an infusion from that, and that's a technical term for making, if you like, a herbal tea, that is a very popular way in European countries, particularly in France, for dealing with menopausal flushing. And I have recommended, uh, say, two to three cups of sage tea per day where one takes, say, a teaspoonful of the powder or dried herb, put it in a coffee cup, pour on boiling water, as you would uh, to make an ordinary cup of tea or coffee, Mm -hmm. Uh, let it uh, cool, obviously. You may, if you desire, flavour it with something such as honey. But try to take two to three cups of sage tea a day, perhaps Mm -hmm. the last one before you go to bed at night, um, there are varying interpretations of the taste of it. Some uh, women find no problem with it. Others think it's the worst thing they've ever tasted in their life. But if you get some relief from the flushing, I guess you're prepared to cope with that. It'd be worth it, I, yeah. I don't think it's too bad, to be honest with you. Now, look, as with most natural medications, this thing is not going to work overnight. You would need to work with it a couple of weeks. Some women get a faster effect than others. But the the good thing about it is it is inexpensive. You're looking at a very, very small cost. It has the potential to help, even if it ameliorates them. It's yep. a very safe substance when used popular, popular, uh, properly. So yep. use that as a start. Okay. And what I mean, there are other things, but if you're not doing well with that in a couple of weeks, give me a ring again and I'll go another step forward with you and mention other herbs that are in the marketplace that have a reputation of benefit, particularly, say, the herb red clover, right. which comes also these days in finished form as a, that is, as a pharmaceutical preparation. But try sage first. Okay. Sounds good, because I've tried other things yes. uh, I've got from the chemist. Yes. But, yes, it hasn't worked. Well, this, this is what I preface my discussion uh, with, that what I have found is that... Um, what works for one lady may not work for another lady, and that's why I think it's better to work through things uh, systematically and uh, try to start off with the simplest form and the most inexpensive form because, unfortunately, uh, many over-the-counter natural products 
are increasingly expensive, which troubles me. Well, good luck with the red sage, mm. it was, wasn't mm. it? Excellent. Thanks for your call, Deborah. Rhiannon um, from Birmingham Gardens on Health Naturally. And you've got a question about fibromyalgia. Um, yes. Yeah, so I've had this for going on two years and mm. I spent until about a couple of months ago, you know, getting a plethora of tests and everything and they just couldn't tell me what was wrong, and then the doctor finally caved in and said, you know, it's probably fibromyalgia. And I've, you know, been struggling for so long, and I was just wondering, is there anything that I can do to ease, you know, my daily struggles? Okay, Rhiannon, have you... You've obviously been to see a rheumatologist, have you? Uh, yeah, I have an appointment coming up. Okay. Look, I think you're in the right ballpark there. With um, with the symptoms that you're likely to be experiencing, it could be one of a number of things, and I'm not in any way questioning the skill of your medical practitioner, but I would suggest that before you embark on any initiatives, you have a meeting with your um, rheumatologist. I've got a good idea of what he would recommend, and it's usually a successful treatment. So I wouldn't advise you at this stage to do anything other than wait for the appointment with the rheumatologist, be guided by what he says. There's usually a useful outcome, put it that way. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rhiannon. <laughs> Thank you, Rhiannon. And uh, we do have Bianca who rang in from Rutherford, Dennis, to ask if red sage is different from the sage herb that we grow in the garden. Yeah. Sage is sage. Uh, Salvia officinalis is its proper name, but it comes under various other common names, uh, red sage, sage, garden sage. Um, it is the garden form that we grow, but remember, with a herb picked from the garden, um, it's best to let that dry rather than take it fresh because it's very difficult get a, to get an adequate quantity, a measured amount, if you're using a fresh herb that's full of moisture. So the use of any garden herb should, number one, be done cautiously to make sure that you have, in fact, uh, planted uh, or indeed picking the right herb uh, because herbs can be problematical if they're uh, taken uh, mistakenly. So the main thing is to make sure that you have got the right herb. Uh, If you're going to use it, harvest it and let it dry and then crush it or put it through a a blender of some form so that it's pulverised and then use it in the proportion that I've suggested, say a teaspoonful of the dried herb to a cup of boiling water. And just to follow on that, Dennis, um, does that also work from the packets of sage that correct. you buy in the correct. supermarket? Yeah, correct. In fact, if, if um, say to Bianca, now even though you may have this um, growing in the garden, um, if you're going to use this particularly for a medicinal purpose, in my opinion, you would be wiser to go um, to, say, a health food store or a pharmacist where sage would come being already identified, packaged hygienically and with its botanical name on it. But, Dennis, how about honey-based ointments? Oh, look, isn't that a fascinating topic? What I mean, people think of honey as something to eat, and rightly so. You will not get a, a greater exponent of the value of honey than myself. Every morning I walk um, out of my house past 
my half a dozen beehives and I stand back in wonder and awe and say, go for it, fellows, you're doing a good job. Uh, so I'm a great exponent, as you know and as listeners know, of the remarkable benefits of honey as a food. Uh, but, but, it's probably not well known that one of the most ancient uses of honey has been that of a valuable topical agent, as we refer to it, that is, Honey has been used, going right back to the time of the Greeks and the Egyptians, as an agent to use in promoting healing of very, very serious wounds. And whereas 40 years ago uh, I was laughed at when I suggested that honey should be seen as a useful agent to address slow healing wounds, infected wounds, varicose ulcers, these days, fortunately, Jane, there seems to be a different attitude emerging with it being increasingly recognised that um, honey has a role to play even in modern medicine. And this was evidenced in my uh, in the experience of my dear old mother, God bless her, who passed away a few years ago. Um, remarkable lady, had to be remarkable to put up with me for many years. But my, my mother had a, a very nasty accident, a fall at her home in in, um, in Adamstown and ripped her leg basically open from the knee down to the ankle. Uh, she had been on steroid for a very long period of time uh, due to her respiratory condition and she needed to be on steroid. But the, downsides, uh, the downside was that later in life her skin became very, very fragile and so she ripped her leg open and the wound literally refused to heal. Um, the wound was stitched on numerous occasions by very understanding and competent medical practitioners, God bless them, but it just didn't take. And it was looking really very, very nasty with, obviously, Jane, an increased risk of infection in the hospital environment in which she was. And on one occasion, she uh, said, with a degree of timidity, look, um, my, my, my son's a herbalist and, and he's a great believer in using honey and he has a honey ointment that uh, is good for this sort of situation would you be happy if we tried it and there was no objection whatsoever from the caring medical uh, staff and my mother's wound was dressed and from virtually day one the wound began to clean uh, it became less odorous it healed and her leg even though it has a scar remaining obviously the scar was a great token and testimony that my mother used to refer to as the way in which honey, in her case, had saved her leg. And as a result of that, I have been encouraging medical professionals, even recently, uh, with respect to a patient of mine that had an emerging difficult ulcer developing around the ankle, to try honey ointment. And increasingly, it is being taken up. And um, I just want to get over to listeners, particularly elderly patients that have problem with varicose lesions uh, where the, 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 um, the nursing staff are doing an excellent job but where the ulcer is not taking up, please discuss it with your GP, discuss it with the community nursing staff, the use of honey ointment because honey ointment, let me just emphasise this, honey ointment is not just honey. Honey ointment is a preparation that I developed based on a formula that was uh, called up in a text that I purchased many years ago. The name of the text was Curative Properties of Honey and Bee Venom, and it was written by a, a Russian gentleman called Dr. Yorish. 
and I purchased that as a young man wandering the streets of Sydney penniless, <laughs> killing time during my lunch hour, and that book had the formula in it for making honey ointment, which included, obviously, honey as the major ingredient, but with a great companion, and a lot of listeners probably don't realise this, that another agent that has a remarkable use in promoting healing is cod liver oil. So in the Melderma honey ointment that I'm referring to, based on the Russian formula, I ensured that it was made up with honey and also with cod liver oil. And that's the clue. That is the difference, I believe, than just putting straight honey on it. Good as honey is, don't get me wrong, but the honey ointment based on the Russian experience, and they used that ointment, Jane, interestingly, in, uh, in, in the Second World War, where Russian soldiers with very, very serious and infected battle wounds they had their wounds dressed with an ointment based on a combination of honey and cod liver oil and the honey ointment that I developed so many years ago fortunately still um, has that formula in it and works well and the number of patients and clients that I've been able to help using the information that the Russians gave me <laughs> many years ago. I can actually, Jade, I can actually remember the bookshop. It was directly opposite People's Palace who hasn't been to People's Palace? <laughs> and I actually remember it because in Sydney in those days, there were two communist bookshops. One was the Russian or the Soviet communist bookshop and the other one was the Chinese communist bookshop. And I purchased this text from the communist bookshop that was run along Chinese lines. <laughs> now, they wouldn't talk to each other in those days because there was a big split between. But I was there and purchased that text, which I treasure, will not let out of my sight. Um, it's a magnificent work. And I just can't extol the virtues enough of the formula from that text which led to the development of the honey ointment. Let me say to listeners, if you've got a lesion that's not healing, that becomes increasingly infected, that's separating, please, please talk to your GP in order to try the honey ointment. Now, we do have a couple of people anxious to have their, mm. their cool swench. That's a lovely story, though, Dennis. Mm. Cole has rung in from Maitland, and heartburn is a problem, is it? Hello, yes, Cole. Yes, that is. Hello, how are you? I'm good, Cole, yes. How can we help you? Thanks for taking my call. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, in the last, say, five years, I'm 50-year-old. Yes. In the last, say, five years, yes. I've suffered from heartburn, indigestion, really yes. bad. Yes. And I've been to the doctor and she's given me uh, 20 milligrams each day of Nexium. Yes. Now, I, I don't like taking tablets. never really been one for taking tablets, mm -hmm. but I take them when I do have a uh, an episode of really yes. bad heartburn. Yes. But I want to find out if there's anything that I can take that can relieve it because a lot of the times I... I don't eat because whatever I eat, it doesn't matter, um, I suffer badly, even even a glass of water. Okay. Cole, I'll ask you a few questions because yep. um, um, heartburn, uh, to start with, is sometimes um, not really heartburn. Yep, uh, yep. I, I had a, a, a patient recently in one of my uh, sessions where uh, he had, in fact, been treated for heartburn and was... Uh, using the medication you're speaking about, yes, wasn't yes. doing particularly well on it. And I did point out to them that sometime, or sometimes pain that's referred to as heartburn can also yep. have a sort of a, a cardiovascular factor associated with it. And in, right. his, in his case, it proved to be so that it wasn't really heartburn. It was more to do with a blockage that he had in one of his, um, 
his uh, blood vessels. So right. I'm, I'm presuming, and I'm sure in the case here, that your doctor has is, is, um, looked into that and is, is convinced that you are experiencing what's called reflux. Um, yeah. If, if that is the case, to be fair, Nexium um, is, is a useful medication, although there's yeah. been some doubt uh, thrown up recently, particularly in, in an article in the Reader's Digest magazine. Fortunately, there are a couple of uh, herbs that can, and, and, and substances that can help you quite dramatically. Um, to start with, um, there is a European herb called Meadowsweet. Right now, meadowsweet in in our system of herbal medicine is referred to in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia as being specific for what you refer to as heartburn. It's a very easily accessed herb. It's perfectly safe. Its botanical name is Philippendula ulmeria, and it's one of the herbs in a product that I call or develop called Reflux Relief. Um, if at the end of the program you want information about that, go to the switchboard. But it has meadowsweet in it, together with a remarkable substance that is unfortunately overlooked today. It was part of mainstream medicine years ago, and that is a substance called magnesium trisilicate. Now, magnesium trisilicate is a very, very competent agent in, in, in lessening the symptoms of reflux. You combine that with meadowsweet uh, and put with it, as I have done in the product Reflux Relief, a little bit of licorice and marshmallow, and you've got a very, very useful preparation. So there are options, uh, meadowsweet, um, magnesium trisilicate, licorice and marshmallow coming together ideally in one formula. Um, I would, uh, in your situation, be looking at that option. And thanks so much for the call. No, I'm sorry if we haven't got to your call. We do have our draw for the week, our stiff, sore and sorry pack, Rhiannon from Birmingham Gardens. You can pick that pack up from uh, Dennis's rooms at New Lambton and that'll be there from this afternoon. That's Health Naturally for today. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. And we look forward to talking to you next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.